Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Calvary Chapel Arrowhead. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. I have a few announcements to make for you, to you. Can we say no battery? <laughs> All right, well, while we're getting this fixed up here, I'd like to uh, bring your attention to a couple of things. First of all, Marilyn, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. And Sherry, you're here too, right? Yep, my beautiful wife back in the back so she can escape. And of course, uh, Teresa, you're here, right? Somewhere, where are you, Teresa? There you are, sitting next to Marilyn, I never would have guessed. Anyway, these are the leadership, these are, these ladies are the leadership for our women's ministry. And the women's Bible study starts up on the 19th of this month, right here at 9 a.m. Or you can zoom in if you like to. I got it. I got it. I got No, I don't. I got it. I'm a guy. I can only think with half my brain at a time. How about that? How about that? There it is. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Vinny. Anyway, you can zoom in if you'd like to. Um, the study book is $15. You can register and pay online. You can buy it here or at the study. And if you have any more need for information, Marilyn, Teresa, or Sherry can help you. And if they don't confuse you enough, I'll send you to Carly, okay? <laughs> All right, next week, next Saturday, 8 a.m. at Sam's house. Where are you, Sam? See, Sam, would you stand up, please, sir? Okay, this is Sam, okay? If you want to go to the men's breakfast, 8 a.m., your house, you'll have to contact him to find the address. It's a secret. We could tell you out loud, but then we would have to, you know, that thing. Okay, so anyway, Sam, thank you for putting that on. Nita actually cooks, right? For which we are all grateful. All right. Oh. <laughs> all right. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> two weeks. In two weeks, we are going to have a baptism here at church. Little Kaya Godoy is going to be baptized. Yeah, clap. That's great, man. That's, that's awesome. And if you have not been baptized and wish to be baptized, please see us after the service. You can see Roy, raise your hand, Roy. Vinny, who fixed my microphone. Larry, who's back there behind the soundboard, or myself, or Carly, and we will, we will get you situated so that we can rejoice together for the commitment that you've made in Jesus Christ and for the new life that is in you. Amen? Okay, um, let's all stand, please, in honor of God's word. We're going to be reading from the book of Exodus, verses, chapter 33, verses 12 through 17. We stand in honor of this precious book that so many have died for, that so many crave around the world but can't get a copy of, because it is the very words of our God. In verse 12, it goes this way. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your present does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, the enduring truth that we have set before us right now is for the purpose of us getting to know you. Like Moses, our hearts cry out that we may know you, that we may find grace in your sight. This morning, as I, I attempt to unpack the word of God for your people here, I pray that you would help me to make it understandable, that we might see some truth and nuggets of truth that will just cause our walks to be stronger. Increase our faith, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm very famous for telling jokes that don't go over well. So nothing's going to stop me then, is it? Man walks into a doctor's office to hear the results of uh, medical testing that they ran a week before. Doctor says, Walt, I got good news and I got bad news. Isn't that what you like to hear from your doctor? Because, well, all right. Uh, what's the good news? Doctor says, you're going to be famous. They're going to name a disease after you. <laughs> That's it. That's the joke. Camp of Israel, as we are in chapter 33 of the book of Exodus, is in a good news, bad news situation. The good news is that through Moses's intercession through his mediation, the Israelites are still going to the promised land, even though they did that cow thing. Remember the cow thing, right? Made Aaron, right? Give me your earrings. They gave him the earrings, put it in a mold, some sort of pops a cow. That sort of made God very, very angry because he said, already told him, don't have any gods before me and don't make any kind of images of a god. Don't do that. Not cool. So the good news is that um, God is going to go with them because he was going to wipe them out, first of all. Then Moses interceded. And so he says, okay, I'll take you to the promised land, but I'm not going to go myself. And that's the bad news. It's going to send an angel before them. Now, <clears throat> Moses is still talking with God about this whole issue as we start up in verse 12. And they're going to hash it out. Uh, as you remember, Moses pitched a tent, and they called it the tent of meeting. That's right, where he could meet with God and talk things over with them. So what we have here are what we would call high-level negotiations. Okay. And the people are not certain about how it's going to come, how it's going to play out. So here's the outline of our study this morning. In verses 12 through 13, we're going to see Moses ask for a good thing. And in verse 14, we're going to see Moses getting some good news. And then verses 15 through 16, we see Moses getting a little cheeky. Or the word is importunate. You ever heard that word before? Importunate, that's a big word. It basically means because of pain and the, you know, okay? It's like when you really, really want something and you keep nagging your parents for it over and over and over and over again, all right? Or you get the idea? You become annoying and you're persistent, and that's the way Moses gets. And then in verse 17, we see Moses getting grace. What's grace, everybody? Unmerited favor. That's right. He doesn't deserve it. Cheeky little devil. 
but he does receive grace. All right, let's look at verse 12 and 13 and see Moses asking for a good thing. All right? Moses said to the Lord, again, remember the context. They're talking about this whole thing of getting to the promised land. He said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. He wants to know who's going with me. People have forfeited the right to have God's presence in their midst. And it, isn't so, it, it was a privilege, but it was also very dangerous because at any moment his holiness could break out and destroy them all. So in God's mercy, he said, I'm not going to go with these people lest I destroy them. So Moses says, fine, if you're not going with me, who is? Now, it really isn't fine with Moses. We're going to find out that he's got a desire, okay? He's pointing out to the Lord that there's a discrepancy between the job that he's being assigned to, lead my people, and the resources to carry it out. Have you ever had that happen to you at work? They tell you to do something, and they give you no training and no resources to get it done, and they expect you to know it all, right? And uh, you are shocked when they start yelling at you for, you didn't know I was supposed to do this. Well, in Exodus chapter 32, 24, excuse me, 32 verse 24, and in, and in chapter 33 verse 2, God had already told Moses that I'm going to send my angel before you. Yeah, but Moses wants to know which angel. Is it going to be Michael, the archangel? Is it going to be Gabriel, the messenger angel? Or is it going to be Clarence? the doofus angel from It's a Wonderful Life, okay? Which angel are you going to send? And he begins to pray back to God what God has already said about Moses because this is the basis now for which he is going to intercede for the people and get what he wants. You have said, I know you by name. And you've also found grace in my sight. Lord, you told me that you know me by name. That means we have an intimate fellowship here. Like we talk as friends, right? We're talking as friends. And that I, Moses, have found grace in your sight. An unmerited favor in your sight. So I'm going to speak freely to you, Lord. I'm going to just speak my mind to you. Now... I don't know if you realize this or not, but you have the same privilege. You have the same privilege. Ephesians 2.8. Why don't you turn in your Bible to the New Testament, book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8. And what I want to show you is that you have found grace in his sight. You have unmerited favor before God because of what Jesus Christ did. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, we have the same thing Moses does. I, we have found grace in his sight. Not because of anything that we have done, right? It's not by works of righteousness that we have done. But according to his mercy, he has saved us. The song we used to sing a long time ago, then we go, shooby doo wop bop bop And because of that grace, Hebrews 4.16 comes into play. Hebrews 4.16. So why don't you turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 16. Okay, we've been saved by grace, so let us therefore, verse 16, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want to show you what it looks like in my imagination to come boldly into the throne room of God, okay? Um, if somebody would get the lights, please turn the lights off. I have a little clip that I want to play for you. And you probably have seen this already. 
Yes. So is Jesus. <laughs> that would not be a bad thing. It's a CNN reporter. <clears throat> Stephanie was supposed to upload it. There we go. Got it. Yeah. Wonderful. ABC, you mean? That's it. What did I say? CNN, ABC. Uh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, remember, we're talking about coming boldly into the throne room of God. And that was your cue. Wonderful. Thank you. Here we go. Scandals happen all the time. The question is how do democracies respond to those scandals? Here it is. Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? Let's, let's play, play that again. Play that again, please. Re play it again. In the region, the relations with the North may change. All right. Um, I would be surprised if they do. No, um, Okay, now you can turn it off now. <laughs> Do you see that little girl walking there that yells your just boom, 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 boom? That's what you call swagger, okay? Just walking right into the presence of her dad, uh, even though he is on, on uh, BBC talking about the North Korean missile situation and how the negotiations are going and stuff. Very serious stuff, but does she care? No, she probably has no clue what's going on. She just knows this is where daddy's at. I'm coming in and I'm going to talk to my daddy. And I love how his wife came back there trying to stay low <laughs> and drag them out. We have the privilege and the joy to enter God's presence, even with some familiar toddler swagger, to speak to him boldly. That word boldly. That word boldly means to speak freely, confidently, frankly, even familiarly, okay? And it isn't because of anything that you have done. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for you that enables you to do this. Otherwise, you would be wasted. You know, you saw that father trying to push back the little girl, you know. God won't do that to you. But before, you wouldn't have even gotten that far. Before Christ, you would not have gotten far. So what are we swaggering into the presence of the Lord for? Well, it says to obtain mercy in, in um, Hebrews 4.16. And that's what you want first. And that's what you need most importantly is God's mercy. Right? It's like the, the guy who went to a photographer and he didn't like the way his pictures turned out. He told the photographer that these pictures don't do me justice. And the photographer says, dude, you don't need justice, you need mercy. <laughs> and that's what we need. With a character like ours, we need pardon. That's the first thing when we come to God we need. So we can boldly come and obtain mercy and find grace. I bet you a lot of you didn't even know she was lost, right? All right. Thank you. Favor. This is what grace is. Favor. Strength. Help. Counsel. Direction. 
support for the ebb and flow of life. All right? That's what grace is. And maybe you're totally self-sufficient here. But most of us aren't. Most of us absolutely realize that we need mercy and we need his grace. Moses interceded for Israel on the basis of God's glory and God's promises. And God spared the people even though he disciplined them for their sin. And now... He is approaching God for that mercy and that grace. We intercede on the basis of God's glory. And we intercede for others and pray for ourselves based on God's promises as well. Warren Wiersbe said, No trial is too great, no temptation is too strong, but that Jesus Christ can give us mercy and grace that we need when we need it. Okay? And from the looks of y'all, you kind of need it, probably today. So Moses prays. Let's go back to Exodus thirty-three, thirteen. Moses prays. Therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, uh, you could say this this way. In light of the fact that I have found grace in your sight, because God already told him that, right? You have found grace in my sight. In light of that fact, show me your way. Almost sounds like that movie, right? Show me the money. Well, it's not the money he wants to know God's way. What's he talking about here? Is he talking about the directions to get to the promised land? Does he want God to type the address into his smartphone so it comes up on Google Maps? And they can follow the little arrow along the... No, obviously not. What he's asking for is to understand God's manner of dealing with his people. According to God's divine character. You know, how am I supposed to do this without you? How am I supposed to manage a classroom of kindergarten kids who are all sugared up and I have no training in this. I've never led a classroom. Um, this is what Moses is asking. How do I deal with these people? I want you to know that though I identify with you as my people, you are not mine. You get that? I don't lord over you what the Lord is doing in you or through you. I don't own you. I don't own this church. You are his children. And I need to keep that uppermost in my mind, and I want to treat you as he would treat you, even though you are a bunch of swaggering toddlers, okay? 1 Peter 5.2 tells me, care for the flock that that God has entrusted to you, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. I never want to be accused of God of beating the shoe. Lord knows I have. Lord knows I have. I've been a youth pastor, and sometimes temper rises up, and you're dealing with a bunch of junior high kids, and I have not treated them well. But I want to be found faithfully tending the sheep, feeding the sheep, and lovingly correcting and disciplining when necessary. So I want to know, Father, when do I give mercy out? And it should be always. When do I, when do I act graciously? Which should be always. When do I need to be firm with the flock of God? It's when it's called for. And when should I mete out discipline? Rarely but always with grace and mercy. Don't want to mess with God's children, guys. It brings out the mama bear in God, if you know what I mean. All right. So Moses prays, still in verse 13, show me your way in handling situations like this that I may know you. Now, understanding how to handle situations like this is going to give him insight to God. It's going to show him his character, his personality. It's going to help Moses know the real him. 
a lot of times you can get a good idea about children when you have parent-teacher conferences, okay? When you see how the parents treat the kids or talk about the kids and how they discipline at home, you know oftentimes is that a functional family or is that a dysfunctional family? Um, and you can tell by the way they handle their kids. Now Moses wants to know God. He wants to know the God who knows him. Paul had that passionate desire. You guys, you Bible students would remember. Uh, Philippians 3, why don't you turn there and see Paul's desire. He wanted to gain experiential knowledge of God through the experiences of life. And by the way, wanting to know God, being hungry for him, being passionate for him, that is a characteristic of people who are all in love with God, who love him with all their soul, heart, mind, and strength. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, you know, I count all things lost. I mean, my education, my career, um, all of that. I, is, you know, I, I've lost it all, and it was just fine with me. I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So all the degrees he held, all of the stature he held, all the career ladder that he climbed, he says that was garbage because what I really want now is to know Christ. Look at verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. <laughs> I like the, the power of his resurrection. I like to know more of that. All right. But that second part, you can kind of, you know, that's like the, the other side of the Oreo cookie. You can have that part, the, the chocolate part. I'll take the cream on the inside. But Paul wants to know him. And, and can you imagine? He tasted God and found out that God was good and that God was powerful. And so, forget everything else, I am going after this. And that hunger that Paul had is also the hunger that Moses had, to know God. So they took every moment, every opportunity, every experience, every bit of communication to see how it all fit together. They wanted to know experientially the reality that is God. They wanted to know by their experience the reality that is God. Is that you? Is that the hunger in your heart? Is that the passion? I hope so. J.I. Packer, he says, what were, we, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in life? To know God. And what in humans gives God the most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. It's all about him, guys. It's all about him. Now, next week we're going to get into it when God comes back or Moses comes back to God and says, show me your glory. Okay, we'll get into more of that next week. So let's go back to chapter 33 and watch Moses continue. He says, since I found grace in your sight and show me your way in handling your children in situations like this that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. Well, I thought he already found grace in his sight. I already thought he found the strength and the favor and the endurance and the direction and the guidance. He did. But he's asking for more. He wants more. More strength. More help. More counsel. There is an abundance of God's grace that I don't think we tap into very deeply. I really, I really don't. We're a lot like this elderly lady who lived up in the Ozarks. You know, um, she got electricity. She never had electricity before in her life. So 
the power company was monitoring her bills and found out that she wasn't using very much electricity. And so they went to her house and find out, you know, are, are you okay? I mean, maybe we hooked this up wrong. Are you using your electricity? And she says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when do you use it? She says, well, you know, I, I turn it on when it gets dark and I light my kerosene lanterns and then I turn it off. She didn't know what she had at her disposal. All this continuous power that could keep things well lit, but she's settling for a kerosene existence. Are you settling for a kerosene existence? Taking the abundant grace that God has given just to light your human efforts, but not maximizing the power of his presence in your life? Ephesians 3.20 says, and you can turn there if you want, says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. <coughs> Did you notice? To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, exceedingly abundantly. The Amplified Version renders it to do super abundantly, far above and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. You're never going to outuse the grace of God. He's always got more. And he's willing and desiring to give it out to the person who will seek him with all their heart. Any Rocky fans in here? Anybody seen all the Rocky movies? Me and Paul. Okay. All right. A few ladies. All right. Well, Rocky III, when he, when he fights uh, Mr. T, right? Clubber Lane, if you remember that one. And, and Clubber Lane is just tearing him apart. It's in the second fight, and they're, they're in the second round, and and Rocky is just getting knocked all around the ring. And Clubber Lane goes back into his corner, and he's all pumped up, and he's jumping up and down, and he's saying, I got a whole lot of mo. I got a whole lot of mo. And that's what God's grace is like. He's got a whole lot of mo. A whole lot of more grace for you. If you will access it by faith and by prayer. Now let's go back to Moses. He throws in one more factoid for good measure in his prayer to God. He says to him, verse 13 again, consider that this nation is your people. Right? Remember? There's this uh, argument going on between God and Moses to Whom's going to take responsibility for these people? Eugene Peterson says, don't forget, this is your people, your responsibility. You're sending me to do this, but these are your people. So it's your responsibility. Um, Philip Graham Riken in his commentary says, here again, Moses sets the agenda for our own prayers. Are you listening, guys? Do you want to know how to pray effectively? Pray like Moses. To serve God effectively, we need to know his ways. Anyone who prays the way Moses prayed will do great things for God. Ask God to be with you. Pray that he will teach you his ways. Seek to know him more intimately. These are prayers that God loves to answer. Study the prayer, guys. Be bold, be cheeky, walk into his presence with that toddlerish swagger, knowing that as you go into his throne room, you will receive mercy and you will receive grace. Not if, but will. But will. All right, let's look at verse 14. We spend a lot of time in verse 13. We won't spend that much time in verse 14, okay? Moses gets good news. And he said, that's God speaking now, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's exactly what Moses wanted to hear. God is going after all. And bonus, he's going to give Moses rest. 
What does God's presence guarantee? All right, and this is to you personally. It's the same thing for Moses. Three things, power, protection, provision. Did you write that down? You go for that mercy and the grace, you're gonna get it. And it's gonna also come in the form of power, protection, and provision. Now think about it. What has Moses seen? He's seen the 10 plagues, right? He saw the Red Sea split open or divide. He saw the pillar of fire and the cloud cover. He saw the turning of toxic water into sweet drinkable water. He saw water flow from a rock. He saw manna in the morning and he saw the defeat of Amalek. And there's more. Literally, God says here, my presence will go with you. It literally means my face will go with you. And he's not identifying a body part. God is spirit. So it's very doubtful he actually has a face. It doesn't really mean that he can't come in the appearance of with a face, okay? Of course, I don't think there's a, some big floating head that's going with Moses all the way through this. What I think it is, is this anthropomorphic, anthro, thank you. <laughs> Basically, it's an idiomatic expression. It describes the closeness of his relationship with Moses. He's promising his personal presence in the present. And the benefit that Moses will receive is rest. Now, how many of you feel like you need some rest? How are you going to go home today after church and rest? All right. You're going to turn on um, some chick flick like, uh, you know, Pride and Prejudice and take a great nap. I'd be asleep before the opening music stopped. But anyway, that's not the kind of rest he's actually talking about, guys, although it could be included in that. Rest is a common expression for the possession of the promised land. I'm going to get you there, Moses. I'm going to get you to this place where you, don't, you can rest from all of this that you're doing in ministry, and it'll be a whole new gig when you get there. The Amplified Version renders verse 14, I will give you rest by bringing you and the people into the promised land. Now, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the one who is greater than Moses, who brings us into our rest, into our home. Hebrews 4, 9 says, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, what's he talking about? Well, we're talking about, well, Warren Wiersbe put it this way, when the saints enter heaven, it will be like sharing God's great Sabbath rest with all labors and battles ended. And that's what God was promising Moses, and that's what he promises us. You know, you've heard this, the, the scripture that goes, there's no rest for the weary. And I think the King James Version goes, there's no rest for the wicked. Okay, so all of you that are striving still, it's just because you're wicked, all right? That's why you're not resting. But Colossians 3, 4 tells us that when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Take a big sigh of relief, guys. Big sigh of relief. You're going to be perfected, okay? All the pain, the suffering, all the labor will cease. And then Jude 1.24 tells us, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. If you were to go right now, would you be presented faultless? Well, the answer is yes, you would be presented faultless, but are you faultless? All right, just keeping your feet back on the ground here, guys. All right? To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Because he's going to present you in the presence of God, faultless. Then you can take a big sigh of relief. Now, back to... Exodus 33, verses 15 and 16, we see Moses, Moses, Moses getting importunate, okay, getting cheeky a little bit. Then he said to him, this is Moses now talking to God, because God has just said, my presence will go with you. 
He says, if your president does not go with us, he'll bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. All right. Moses, you're getting a little annoying now. Okay. He's saying, in essence, look, if your presence doesn't go with us the way it's already has been going with us, how is anyone going to know <clears throat> that you look favorably on me and on these people? For your presence among us is what sets us apart from all other people on the earth. I mean, isn't that sort of the whole thing, what you wanted to do with us? All right. A little cheeky. Not irreverent. He's just saying out loud what he's thinking in his head. How many times do you not say out loud what you're thinking in your head? And of course, a lot of times that's a good thing, right? <laughs> but here he's just like he's pushed to the point where he's, he's squeezed and he's got to say what he's thinking. We call this importunate prayer. Prayer that is persistent to the point of annoyance. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, God loves importunate prayer. He asks for it. He encourages us for it. And he doesn't give us much blessing without it. That's why when you pray the one and done prayers for some serious issues, they're never answered. There's spiritual warfare that's going on and your prayers play into that. So you've got to keep at it. You've got to be persistent. And sometimes, not necessarily angry with God, you just got to get angry. And you got to talk out loud that this is enough. All right, verse 17. Moses gets grace. Look at verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will also... Do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. All right? Moses came into God's presence like that swaggering toddler that we saw in that clip, all right, and, and just got honest and real with him, authentic and genuine and passionate. And God says, you know, I'll, I'll do that for you, Mo, because You've got grace in my sight, and I know you by name. With a smile. According to John McKay, a Bible scholar, he says, for God to know someone by name is to embrace that person in a relationship of acceptance and friendship. And, and this wasn't a matter of Moses overcoming God's reluctance, okay? Understand that. It's laying hold of God's willingness. It's not overcoming his reluctance. He's not talking God into doing anything that God hadn't already planned to do. But for some reason in the spiritual realm, there is warfare going on, and he must approach him with this passion. And so you lay hold of his willingness. Now, I want to say with you, before we take communion here, well, let me just quote Ian Bounds first. He says, we must win God. To win God is to win our plea. To move into God's presence is to move our situation and our circumstances into his presence, where all grace and mercy resides. That's what Moses did. He won God here. All right? Moses is proving to be a very effective mediator. Now, you know God isn't setting up word pictures, right? All through the Old Testament is one huge word picture of what person in history? Jesus Christ, that's right. And these are very important to him. Because for those who are wanting him, those who are hungering for him, will put all the dots together and realize that the answer is always found in Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing here, Moses proving to be a, an effective mediator, an effective person trying to reconcile these two parties together, is that he is a picture of, of course, Jesus Christ. 
right? God did this so that we would understand the true basis of our salvation. We cannot be saved by what we have done. We're too sinful to merit salvation. So how can we be saved? Our salvation depends upon the pleasure God takes in our mediator. The pleasure he takes in Jesus Christ. Our salvation rests on the delight that God takes in the person of his son. That's why the father said when Jesus was baptized, you guys know the words, right? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that's pretty much what God said to Moses. I'm pleased with you and I know you. God confirms his pleasure in the son by raising him from the dead. <clears throat> the resurrection proved that God was pleased with the perfect life and the atoning death that Jesus offered for sinners. So now he's going to be pleased then with anyone who trusts in Jesus. The pleasure God takes in us is based on the pleasure that he takes in his own beloved son. Therefore, go ahead and open that door when he's in the middle of a conference with Gabriel or Michael or Clarence and realize that you are welcome to come into his presence. You're welcome. You guys remember the Life magazine photo of little John John Kennedy under the desk of the President of the United States, the most powerful person on the planet, and there's his little boy. He was, he was on his hands and knees playing with toys under his dad's desk while his dad is on the phone, you know, stopping at the Cuban Missile Crisis or something. God is pleased to have you in his presence. He wants you to realize that he is present. And the reason he is pleased with you is because he is pleased that you chose to receive his son into your life. His son is what makes us acceptable to him. Okay? All right. When you go home today, I hope that you take some time to spend with the Lord one-on-one -on -one and you think about the things that I have said. I hope you reread that section of Scripture. And I hope you relate it to the New Testament to where you have these promises of God who wants to hear your prayers. And I want you to get importunate with God. I want you to go and say, well, you said, well, you said, well, you have promised, and then listen, then listen, like Habakkuk did, right? Of course, he said, I'm going to sit down and listen now when I get rebuked. <laughs> listen as God speaks to you, and maybe he will share with you something that is hindering the answer to your prayer. Or maybe you'll hear the Spirit say, just a little while, hang in there. Keep praying. It's coming. And never, ever, ever think that you can out-use God's mercy and his grace. Okay? Grace upon grace. All right. Nat, would you come on up? And we're going to do, let's all stand, please. Roy, would you come to one side to pray with people? And Sherry, would you come? And Marilyn, would you come to the other side to pray with people? Natalie is going to lead us in a worship song. And when she is done, I would like you to come forward. Um, try to divide the church in half here, okay? From Elizabeth on over, approach this table. And you guys probably want to go around, okay, and make one line to this. Somebody figure that out, okay? The rest of you, this is your table. Okay, and you can come down the aisle and then along the sides and, and out again. While the song is playing, before you come up to receive communion, I want you just to be quiet and be still within yourself. Seek to remove all the thoughts, all your cares, all your worries, everything that has been flooding you before you got here now and praise him that he is sufficient for all things in your life 
that though you don't understand and you don't know how things are going to work out, you can go to a God who assures you it will, but not without your prayers. Not without you seeking him with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not without you swaggering like a toddler into his presence and being importunate with him. I encourage you to do that. And then when Natalie has finished singing, then please come forward and receive the communion. And uh, you can take it back to your seat and unwrap it and take it. And if you need prayer, we have people up here to pray with you, okay? Father, we bow our hearts before you. The true and the living God, the one who created us and who has our times and our seasons in his hands. I pray now for those here who have relational issues that they're dealing with, financial issues that are overwhelming, health and medical issues that are creating uncertainty and fear. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling with depression and anxiety. I pray, Father, for those who just want more of you that you meet each person at the place of their greatest need. And as we take the communion together, when that time comes, I pray that you would let that be our contact point of our faith in you and that we'd hear your answer. I'm gonna ask you that when you do come forward to get your communion, that you just go back to your seat and stand and wait and we'll all do it at the same time. Just be still. Let the Spirit speak to your heart as Natalie sings for us.